Hello, and welcome to today's issue of Chapter by Chapter. I am your host, Will Cowan, and with me, like always, is Steve Haynes. Steve, how are you doing today? Out of all days. Today, I'm going to... Today's, uh, today is, I'm great. <laughs> I'm great today. Yeah, that's good to hear. Are you, are you excited about this chapter? How'd you like this chapter before we even this get This chapter, it? <laughs> a lot of mumbo jumbo in this chapter. That's what I'm, you remember, you know how I said yesterday when, um, you can really tell that this part of the book is like, they split this part into two books. Like this is kind of like that reintroduction to the characters and kind of the world and a little bit of world building. Yeah. Tons of lore building and talk of things that we don't understand. We don't really understand yet, but I, I, I appreciate it though. Um, so in this chapter, 20 chapter 25, the traveling people, uh, instead of yesterday where we're talking and sailing today, we're kind of walking and talking, but mostly we're sitting and talking. Um, mostly sitting and talking, mostly sitting check talking. back in with, Perrin and Gwen and their wolf friends. I'm going to call them the wolf pack. I'm going to take that right now. Yeah. Call them the wolf. I pack. sanction that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so we check back in with Perrin, Gwen and the wolf pack. Yeah. And they're just kind of, they're just making their way. Uh, I think it's Camelin. They're, they're on their way right now. Yeah. And, Egwene's kind of forcing that system that she has where like everybody rides Bella for a little bit so nobody gets really tired. Yeah, and Elias is like, come on, man. I'm a I'm a wolf. I'm man. a wolf brother. Yeah. Like my eyes are yellow. I hang out with wolves. I don't need to ride on the horse. And she's like, ride on the horse. And he's like, I don't need to ride on the horse. Yeah. The point the point where he like looks at Bella and Bella gives him like that, like the rolling eye sort of Yeah, look. the horse like rolls her eyes at him. Yeah, like no, you're not getting on this. <laughs> no, she don't want none of that. She, she looks like that. She does that look whenever she looks at a as at a wolf. Though, so. oh, excuse me. Well, he is a wolf. No, no, no. The uh, He's Bella a wolf man. Like, no, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder, like, is that a look of like fear or disdain, or is it just kind of like I have no fucking time for you people. I think it's sass. It's a little bit of sass. Yeah. That's what I kind of read it as is, is some sassiness with the cool thing here. The cool thing here, what they're doing um, in this chapter is that the wolves kind of just go do their own thing like during the day. Yeah. They're not really around, but they are around, but they're not seen They're, You know what they're doing? They're doing land's job. You know how land in the yeah way circling the perimeter yeah they're just kind of keeping an eye on things you Scouting. know on top of that um they're bringing back food they're they're picking yeah. up like rabbits and squirrels and stuff like that so is so is uh elias elias yeah yeah he's able to like he's like, taking out pheasants yeah and uh and rabbits and they're all eating better like they're eating better than they have Parent and Gwen are eating better than they have. Exactly. Uh, in days now. But Parent's still kind of like not cool with it. And, you know, would probably be happy if eating garbage if they were all gone anyways. <laughs> but like, and the other thing with him <clears throat> is like Parent, the, like the wolves aren't seen anywhere, but Parent senses them. He knows where they are. He starts to realize that. That if yeah. they're ahead of him, he knows they're ahead. If they're behind, he knows they're behind, even yeah. though we can't see them. Yeah, exactly. Because he's a wolf man. 
One other point. Um, they talk about some of the dreams that Perrin has, right? And he says that he's no longer having Baalzaman dreams, but he's having normal dreams, but there's always a wolf in those dreams. It's like a wolf that's yeah. looking away from him, you know? Now, I don't know if that's supposed to be his inner wolf or just some sort of like uh, tertiary wolf that it signify. I don't know what the the significance of the wolf not looking at him is, but there's a, he's having better dreams. I think maybe it's just because he's not embracing his wolfness. I guess so. Yeah, that could be it. But the point is here. The point I'm getting to is that he's having better dreams. And yeah. I think things are chilling to, out. Things are cooling out a bit for him. And I think that has to do with the fact. That he's not eating bread and cheese anymore. He's eating rabbits. He's eating pheasants. He's eating squirrels. <laughs> I think you are. I think you're right. And you're on to something. It's a, it's a change in diet. It's a change in diet. Things are going to be looking up for these guys. Anyways, they're as they're on their path. They, I don't know how long they're on the road. It says they were on the road for a couple of days, like three or four days. Quite a while. I mean, several meals. A couple. Several pheasants. Yeah, several pheasants at least. Enough for the diet to change and the dreams to get better. Um, yeah. as they're walking by these three mastiffs, like, uh, three giant dogs, Big show old up, dogs burst out of the, burst out of the, 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 the brush and start barking at them. And they're about to get ready to like, well, Perrin, like he's about to get ready to like fight these wolves or not wolves. These, uh, these dogs, dogs. he's and, ready to commit dog murder. And like Elias is like, hold up, hold up, hold up. And he like puts up a finger and he, doesn't he do like a whistling sound or something? Yeah. He like whistles. He does. And then at, the dogs pay attention to the whistling and they're looking at his finger. And then he brings the, his finger down and he lowers his whistle pitch. And the dogs like chill out. They're like, hey, man. So Elias is actually Caesar Milan. <laughs> yeah. It turns out he can speak dog too, he which can... I guess is the same thing. Yeah. But but uh, he starts talking about like, oh, these dogs, these dogs are... Um, members of a, a group called the tinkers i'm gonna call them the tinkers like that's their like uh colloquial term i guess like it's not that's not their actual name the real name is something i don't think i can pronounce actually off the top of my it's head. like tooth tooth fall on to fall for fall on to thought to thought on something like that tinkers is just easier easier to remember and he's like okay so these dogs are from the tinkers that means their group has got to be nearby. So why don't we just follow these dogs back to their group? They've got to be in the bush somewhere. That's the only reason why they were coming out to attack us is because they thought that we were kind of a threat. You know what I mean? Those dogs were doing the same job that the wolves are doing. Exactly. You know what? Dogs are a good tool to have in this world. Oh, the best. The uh, best tool. And wolves are, well, well, no, wolves are even better, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the you got stronger dog. Big big scary ass dog that can bring you squirrels and pheasants and stuff. That's always good. Um, he's like, okay, let's, let's follow these dogs back to these uh, tinkers uh, place. Maybe we'd be able to like camp with them for the night, you know? Yeah. And then there's a lot of talk. Once the name tinker is thrown around, everyone's heard it before. Perrin and Gwen have heard of tinkers before. Yeah. Um, they've never met them or seen them, but they've heard tales and basically what they know of them is that they're thieves and they're no good. Yeah. Um, but like, mainly that they're thieves and they're known. Tinkers are known as if they, you know, if they show up at a town, uh, you're going to get robbed. Chances blind. are they're going to try and burgle a few things, but 
even on top of that, they're known for recruiting, um, yeah. recruiting the youth yeah. and filling their heads full of wishy-washy. A little bit of wishy-washy. And making them question everything they know in their little village societies and then leaving and becoming a traveling tinker and just stealing things from people. They're, they are, they're Warp Tour. <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of like warped here with uh, no music. <laughs> yeah, no music. Actually, there's a little bit of music. They get to the... Uh... Well, at this point, they don't know, though. This is all just hearsay. This is what how, what they know of them so far. Yeah, that's true. Right. Like, and but the, even Perrin kind of realizes that, like, all those stories are just coming from kind of the more commodity Edmonds Fielders. And we all know at this point that Edmonds Fielders just don't like anything new. So no, they don't like anything. Yeah, they don't like anything. So tinkers, I Sedai, warders, anything outside their little like six square kilometer radius, it's all bad news. So it's real bad. Obviously, nothing that everything that they've heard about the tinkers is going to be just bad, just bad stuff because everything's been bad stuff. It must be just a miserable existence living in Evansfield. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like a good one. Oh. They have that. Uh, they have that festival, Beltine. If that's the that only, fun. I mean, that's they put the up only. a stick and everyone dances around <laughs> the stick. Remember that? That was fun. <laughs> that's once a, a year. Once a year, you get everybody. You get one day of the year to let loose. Everything else is just scary stories and and and, and bad and bad news. And bad bread and cheese dreams. <laughs> bread and cheese dreams. Look, if these guys just ate some steak every once in a while <laughs> their whole existence would be a little change bit better. that diet up so uh even even elias even like corrects him a little bit at this point he's like going like well yes they burgle but they're not that bad i've seen i've seen a lot worse you know yeah he's like I, he's honestly kind of like out of everything that's out here these guys are probably n- nothing that you should be really afraid of for the most part, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, eventually they come across the, I guess the camp where the tinkers are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it looks like Willy Wonka's <laughs> campsite. It's a vagabond Willy just, Wonka's uh, lifestyle. Yeah. It is just, there's just colors everywhere. <laughs> just all bright colors. So much so that it mentions that parent doesn't even know some of these colors. It's like, what it's is this? Like, magenta <laughs> yeah something like that because he's he's a, he's a probably only seen green and brown for his entire life <laughs> yeah it's orange <laughs> yeah. orange is the color that they were, that he couldn't explain yeah i don't know man it's just i guess it's like a fruity color i, I, I can't place it <laughs> they're talking and, about purple What are yeah, and like lots of patchwork and and patches, patterns, and colors. They're um, they're a traveling group, right? They're they're that's what that's what the chapter's named after them for. They're no, the the name Tinkers or the original name that they have, the one that you and I can't say. Uh, it means like traveling people, you know. Two with two at two two. Don't even try. Give up now. <laughs> Don't um, even try. Yeah, I mean, as we will soon come to learn here is 
I mean, they're basically just traveling hippies. They're just traveling also hippies. steal. Yeah. They're, it's Burning Man. It's Burning it's Man. It's just a traveling Burning Man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, that's really what it is. They're just a, a small group congregation of people who just like to hang out, you know? They have a bunch of, like, mumbo jumbo sayings for things. Like, when they show up, an old man, or old man? Older yeah, man? Yeah, he, he's an older man. He's kind of like, like a leader of the group, yeah. Yeah, and he goes right to Elias and asks him if he knows the song. And Elias says he doesn't. And the old guy's like, all right, cool. Well, uh, carry on then. Let's hang out. It's like, he's like this guy that's showing up. And he's like, hey, man, you know Grateful Dead? Nah, man. <laughs> all right. Nah, man. Oh, okay, well. Oh, come hang out anyways. We're going to hang out anyways, I guess. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much it. This guy, his name is Rain, right? Yeah, Rain. Yeah, Rain. He has he has like a big. Uh, his actual name is Rain the Madi. The Madi. The Ma Madi is actually a is a is a term that's used in a bunch of different series, but uh, from what I remember, it's from Dune, and Madi is kind of like this term that kind of set that means like great one. Or one who can foresee, or something like that. So the fact that they use that term, it kind of gives yeah, me. Yeah, for, for this, they say it's old tongue for seeker. Seeker, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so for this group of people, I kind of get like maybe like a, an Arabic vibe. You know, once I heard that Mahdi, I was like, okay, maybe I can okay. kind of shift the the look of this group to uh, a more of an Arabic look, which is definitely cool. You know. I think it's Tuathon. Tuathon? People. Yeah. Tuathon. There's an apostrophe in there in between two A's. Make of it what you will. Yeah. It's like a Baal Zaman sort of, sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, he asks them about Grateful Dead. They say no. And they, he goes like, well, you guys can still hang out with us anyway. So they go over to a fire. Uh, and it turns out that Rain and Elias know each other. Yeah, they're like friends um, from years past. Yeah, yeah, they're they're friends of some some degree. Yeah, I, old acquaintances. Yeah, we don't really find out how or why they knew each other. Yeah, know each other. Friend might be even a stretch in a way because it's yeah because there's a there's a little bit of sass between the two of them. Yeah, 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 and um, and I think it's a little bit more of a a respect. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means a lot out in the field. You know, like. Uh, just somebody that you can rely on in a group that you can kind of like trust in a way that means something. Absolutely. So they go have a fire with them and they are led to uh, a place where they also meet uh rain's wife, Ela. She also got like white hair, kind of older looking and uh, that they eat for a little while. And that's when their grandson shows up. Aram. Yeah. Aram. Yeah. And Aram is a player yeah he sees Egwin and, and it's just immediately just turns on the wheels after her yeah he's he's in it and uh he which is kind of this is it, this kind of adds a cool like level of um world building for this group because he i don't know if he's actually their grandchild or maybe he's just another one of the group that just like joined in and they have this like sort of familial 
um, understanding. Freedom as such. Yeah. And maybe he starts talking about the way of the leaf, you know? Yeah. And well, the, who's talking? Rain's talking about it. I think it was a mom. Or, sorry. Okay. Aram. Because um, the way of the leaf, he's kind of, because he's hitting on Egwene, and he's talking about, like, how they don't really use violence. And this is kind of like the term, this is kind of what they use to bring the children into this group is this is this way of the leaf lifestyle yeah they call it the way of the leaf which is basically just like don't be a dick exactly it's a pacifist lifestyle you don't yeah you don't uh take violence on other people no matter what even if they put violence towards you you don't take violence back and the analogy that aram uses is like if you use your axe on a tree sure the axe can cut down the tree but the tree is also dulling the axe you know so mm-hmm. violence wo- goes both ways. So it's best not to take part of any of that violence. And uh, Perrin goes like, well, you know, sure. If, yeah, but like if, if somebody hits me, like I got to hit him. I got to hit him back, you know. And I get that. I get that sort of uh, way of thinking. But by this point, well, Egwene's already in Aram's pocket. Yeah. Exactly, and and there's this whole weird dynamic going on between Aram and and Parent, where he's kind of as it's as if he's comp- trying trying to compete with Parent uh, for Egwin. Well, that's Parent doesn't even really know what's going on. <laughs> um, he's, and he's it's just... all happening so fast, and Egwin is all she's here for it, and she's happy <laughs> that she's just like. She's interested in in Aram. Well, you gotta because think. she's like specifically mentions that it's uh it's nice to meet someone who doesn't just like think that their muscles can solve every situation. Yeah. Um, which is you know all these Emin Fielders boys, like Matt and the rest of them, you know, mm-hmm. their muscles are gonna solve the problem. They're yeah. gonna smash it. So it's a nice change. They're of smash pace. it open, find the treasure. Yeah. So it's a nice change of pace. It's a, uh, especially for the last like couple of weeks that they've been on the road where it's been nothing but violence. And you have this guy that's treating you nicely and is saying something that's different from what everybody else has been saying for the last few weeks. You're going to listen. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't really pick up on that. He's a play, like a player or anything or coming across that way, which he definitely is, but she's just kind of cool with it. He wants to go dance. She's stoked. She's ready to go dance with him. Yeah. They go dance. Yeah. And Perrin kind of is jealous. I don't know. I don't really get like a jealous vibe. You know how I said a couple chapters ago where they there could be kind of a romantic tension? It doesn't really build that up here. It just kind of like he's just more protective of her. It's a... It's a- it's, it's yeah it's weird it's like like a little bit but yeah he's kind of protective and then it also sort of like plays i i think it sort of like plays on some of his own insecurities of like how he's never really been that good at like picking up women or being able to just sort of when you meet someone new and just sort of you know you know just be pick up a girl like that and yeah. then he starts he thinks about how rand uh was able to do that back in 
Emmons Field. Yeah, Rand was it, and, uh, able to talk to girls a little bit easier, and probably doesn't like hit on girls because you know I never get that feeling of Rand, but like no, but he he gets uh, reminded of that sort of like ladies' man sort of uh, mentality that that uh, that Rand has, right? Yeah, um, or has portrayed that he's seen before. Yeah. Which, you know, I think I think everybody's been in that position, you know? Yeah, and then, like, and then also, like, when they're walking away, and what's his name? A man? A man? Aram. 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 When they're walking away, Aram, like, turns back and, like, smiles at Perrin with, like, a, a victorious grin. Yeah, fuck you. Perrin's kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Yeah. But you piece of shit. Then, um... You know, the thing, this whole tanker situation, Perrin is like super into the tankers from the get-go. Like he's just interested, right? And everything that they're telling him about the way of the leaf and everything. And Mm -hmm. he's prime for these, the youth that they sort of, uh, you know, indoctrinate. Right. Out of the towns and, and villages they go to. Mm-hmm. And that sort of kind of starts to happen where they're talking to him and, and just sort of hearing out a lot of his concerns and just really like speaking to him and uh, understanding what he's saying and, and relaying their perspective of things. Mm-hmm. And then they start to really get in the stories of Mambo mumbo jumbo well i think and, it's uh, kind of important mumbo jumbo though it's super important mumbo jumbo you know it's a story of which i i'm i'm gonna get this wrong even though i read this chapter not that long ago i'm gonna get this wrong but it has to do with something with, it's a lot with uh i think they were traveling in the aiel wastes like i think it's called the yes the blight lands or something like that or the blight yeah so which is which is important because nobody can go into the aiel wastes mm-hmm. but the tinkers can. So that's right. just something to make note of. Right. And uh they they come across this like was it like a a battle, like the the leftovers of a battle or something like that. And they uh find this woman who's a, a warrior of an, of the Aiel and she starts spouting off like the dark one is coming. Not in like that's a that is like a a very condensed version of what she actually says, but it yeah, was it was like because she isn't she like and isn't she like the survivor? She's the like, only. Don't they find she's the only one, right? They find like a bunch of like like spear spear maidens. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they've all been killed by Trollocs except this one. Yeah, and. Which makes me think that these uh, the tankers are probably kind of like an offsect group of the Aiel because when they are in the when they are in the blight and this uh, spear maiden Aiel warrior girl she talks to them and that's something that they wouldn't have done in any other sort of situation because they 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 consider them the lost ones you know the ones that like yeah separate them lost ones yeah that separate from the society which you're not supposed to do. But she still te- she still talks to them in her dying breaths and still tells them that the heeds this warning of the of these guys of the dark one showing up. I think they have different terms for it. It's like uh, the yeah, I have what she says here. The blinding one, 
Yeah, give it a shot. She says, she says, <clears throat> Leaf Blighter means to blind the eye of the world. He means to slay the great <laughs> He means to slay the great serpent. Warn the people. Sightburner comes. Tell them to stand ready for he who comes with dawn. So, you know, there it is. I, you know what? I was listening to you, but uh, I stopped listening. <laughs> I mean, I stopped listening. But basically, again, mumbo jumbo. Mumbo She's talking jumbo. Leaf, blight, leaf blighter means to blind the eye of the world. Yeah. He means to slay the great serpent, warn the people. Sight burner comes. Yeah. Um, so. Go ahead. Make of that what you will. Yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just more, it's just more confirmation that bad stuff is going to happen. And we're still book one of 13, you know? Yeah. And, and this, and that parent thinks that message over and, you know, he's basically thinking the same thing we are is just like, geez, it's a lot of mumbo jumbo. Okay. That is a lot. What is that? I have the world. What is, uh, you know, what is leaf blighter? I was going to ask you, like, do, do you and I know what the eye of the world is yet? Or have we, have, have we seen that yet? Or have a definition um, for the eye of the world or we read a glossary entry for it? Maybe we did. I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to get back into it in case there's a, uh, a spoiler. Involved. If we did, we did. If we didn't, we're going to be finding it out later in the book. Look, folks, we read these chapters and then record them, and we're not very smart people, so a lot no, of it... there's no glossary for it. A lot of it kind of culminates in, uh, I think this is what is said. Exactly. Yeah. But... Which is good enough. At the end of this story that uh, Rain tells, Egwene comes back from partying, and she looks like She's she has a... Like- She's like, I have the best time. Yeah, she's Aaron, like, that guy's. <laughs> he makes me laugh. He makes me dance. He makes me sing. All good times. But as soon as she finishes that sentence, she like collapses in his collapses in his arms and starts crying. Yeah, and sort of breaks down. Reality hits her, and she starts crying. And basically, um, asking. Perrin, you know, do you think everyone's dead? Do you think yeah. Ran and Matt and that gleaming guy are alive? Yeah. And Perrin's like, absolutely. What else do you say He's in like, that what situation? Else, what else do you say? Yeah, like you, that's, yeah. A, that's a rock and a hard place, man. <laughs> yeah. He might. He but he does believe it. He does choose because he has to. I mean, like, honestly, when you're in this situation, you have to because otherwise, what's the point? You know? Exactly. They're they're still worried about their friends. They're they're working towards finding their friends again. If they really truly didn't care, they'd be on their way back to Emmonsfield. You know. Yeah, and then you know, Gwen's like, "Thank you," and like she sort of wipes away her tears, and then she gives him a little little kiss, a little, little kiss, kiss on, on the cheek, a little kiss on the cheek. And parents like, like, "Oh, geez, what, G Williger? Okay, he doesn't know what is that. I don't know what that yeah. is." But that's what I mean. It's like I, when he gets that kiss on the cheek, like he doesn't react in the same way as like, oh, she likes me. He's just kind of like, okay, at least she feels better. You know, like there's not that same romantic. Good guy, Perrin. 
Yeah. Yep. Isn't that a ro- it's not a romantic thing, but like I can see a douchebag like Aram pissing you off. And it's like, even if you didn't like the girl, but you have that dude just like coming in and being like, like just bulldozing yeah, well, you. It's your friend and they're, yeah. Just bulldozing you over, just like pushing you out of the way. It's like, fuck you, man. Not cool, man. That's not cool. I could see them getting to a fist fight or something like that or some sort of heated argument at some point. If they stay with this group for a couple of chapters, then that's probably what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But other than that, that's the end of the chapter, folks. Gwen goes, yeah, goes to bed. Today. And uh, that's pretty much it. Wraps it up. Uh, any closing remarks there, Steve? Um, I'll just say... To all of our listeners out there, one, if you ever come across three massives in the wild, get, like, get away. (laughs) You can't speak to them. You don't have wolf friends. Two, if you find people traveling covered in fluorescent colors, just enter at your own risk, okay? (laughs) I can't advise one way or the other. You know, you might be in for the greatest time of your life or the worst. It depends on the drugs you take. Just approach with caution. Approach with caution. If they're into Grateful Dead, you're probably safe. Probably, but... (laughs) Again, we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah, that that wraps it up today. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, chapter twenty six. I don't have that name in front of me here. Chapter twenty six. Chapter twenty six is called White Bridge. White Bridge. So it looks like we're finally making it to White Bridge. We're finally doing it. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. <laughs>